loving sairam and greetings from prashanti nilayam this is my 11th talk in the dharma vahini series and as always we proceed by picking up quotes from swami's original book and trying to understand them my first quote for today is the following quote high and low rich and poor male and female all are affected by illness and all have the right to seek the drug that cures the illness of repeated birth all have the right to the drug named brahma vidya knowledge or awareness of brahman which is the most effective cure brahma vidya is the heritage of all according to the stage reached by each and the degree of development in spiritual discipline attained and the extent of assimilation of the drug each person will improve in health that is to say in peace and equanimity however along with the drug the regulations regarding the mode of living have also to be strictly adhered to end of quote before i try to discuss this quote maybe i should present one more quote because that one also is closely related to the one i have just presented that quote goes as follows quote the drug brahmavidya has to be supplemented and strengthened by the appropriate dharma as well as the cultivation of bhakti jnana and vairagya dietary and other restrictions are essential components of the treatment of illness so also mere initiation into brahmavidya alone is not enough without sama dama and the other moral spiritual excellences no one be he emperor or bondsman high born or low born can reach the goal end of quote basically there are two important points made in the quotes i have just presented first is the importance of brahma vidya which is just another name for atma vidya or knowledge of the self basically what these words brahma vidya and atma vidya essentially tell us is that we must become aware of the fact that we are ourselves god or brahman or the atma and how do we become so aware by making all possible effort to follow dharma in the true spirit of the word that's how we become aware Swami compares this adherence to dharma to taking a medicine. This is a good point to make a reference to discourses of more recent times in which Swami used two critical words aushadam and patyam. Aushadam means medicine and patyam means diet restriction. Swami says that when we have a medical problem and go to a physician he first gives us medicines and he then recommends diet restrictions. Swami adds that where spirituality is concerned there is likewise an all important medicine which of course is dharma what about the equivalent of diet restrictions swami has an answer for that also in the above quotes if you had followed the second quote carefully there are two important words occurring there sama and dama now sanskrit words are not easy to translate and these two words are no different anyway i shall try and do my best basically 
Sama means equanimity, while Dhamma means sense and mind control. I am sure you can appreciate why equanimity is a must for following Dharma. Suppose one had to make a difficult decision. Unless one is clear-headed and is not bothered about whether others criticize or praise you, it is not possible to adhere to Dharma. A very famous example comes to my mind at this point. Many decades ago, Mahatma Gandhi launched a nationwide satyagraha over a particular issue where grave injustice was being done by the British establishment to ordinary people, I believe farmers in particular. Gandhi was insistent that the campaign of civil disobedience must be totally non-violent. However, in one place, the agitation got out of control and the agitators burnt a police station as a result of which many policemen were killed. Gandhi was very much pained over the unnecessary loss of life and he promptly entered the Satyagraha calling it a Himalayan blunder. He was widely criticized but that did not bother Gandhi. He was untouched by praise or insults. For him, rigid adherence to the principle was absolutely vital. There could be no compromise whatsoever. As for mind and sense control, I guess I do not have to explain why it is so very important if you are serious about adherence to Dharma. So, in brief, diet restrictions in the present context really imply and boil down to sense and mind control. Now, if you go through Swami's discourses, especially those delivered in the old days, you would see how much importance he gave to this issue, particularly sense and mind control. Without sense and mind control, there is no trikarna suddhi, which means purity of thought, word and deed. And said Swami, without trikarna suddhi, there is no evolvement towards spiritual purity. Of course, just as in the case of drugs administered for the ailments of the body, the dose of the drug depends not so much on age, but on the state of spiritual evolution of the seeker concerned. Beginners have small doses that are easy to absorb, while the more advanced ones have to take larger doses. It's like climbing a high mountain. It is easy at first, but as one approaches the peak, one has to put in more effort. The same sort of thing here. Now, in ancient times, sense and mind control was given very great importance. But curiously, at a time when the need for such control has become far more important than ever before, we seem to be not only paying less attention to sense and mind control, but almost giving it up by rubbishing it. Many recognize the incredible grip that the internet, TV and the mobile phone culture are having on huge masses of people all over the world, cutting across all sorts of differences related to age, gender, race, religion, culture, language, ethnicity, etc. But the number of people concerned about the consequences of such a tight grip, especially the negative consequences, are quite few. Sad to say, even among devotees of Swami. That is because we all conveniently choose to live in two separate worlds. One world where we install Swami, shower love on Him, worship Him and so on. 
and another world into which we walk once we become absorbed with work entertainment and so on swami has no presence in this other world of our own artificial creation and that is how all problems arise some people think i am blowing up something that is hardly an issue others shrug their shoulders and say well this is an age of globalization tv internet and the mobile phone are here to stay there is nothing you can do about it and so on some years ago i was forced to attend a presentation by a rep of a tv channel here in india those were the days when tv channels fell over each other with trying to introduce 24 hours spiritual programs and what better place to shop for such programs than sai baba's ashram so they all came here the smart market executives with their laptops powerpoint presentations and what not and they were brought in by well meaning senior devotees most of them high profile businessmen it was a torture for me to sit silently patiently listening to all that crap dished out by the marketing manager who just a few days earlier had switched from selling toothpaste to getting people to contribute spiritual programs now since i follow the affairs of the world quite closely i knew most of what these marketing managers were going to say even before they opened their mouth however this was a moment when i was on test for my ability to be patient and believe me my patience was severely tested i would first be told all about how powerful tv is by way of capturing people's attention and how high the rating of this agent's channel was what impact showing baba's program on that channel would make on india and so on after this would come the harder part when i would be lectured in pitiless detail about how to prepare and present the programs how attention span these days is not more than 6 minutes this by the way was the result found after extensive research by eminent psychologists that is what they would tell me and how swami's discourses when shown on tv must be punctuated with commercial breaks and so on as if this was not enough i was told that spirituality had to be seamlessly mixed with entertainment because that was the best way of attracting large number of viewers all along the devotee brought in the torture man would be sitting there smiling and hoping that i was buying all the stuff and that soon swami's program would be carried by the particular tv channel whose rep had been brought to prashanti by him let me at this point tell you that this remark about attention span is causing worries all over the world in fact just recently i heard a thought provoking talk show on an american radio channel about the impact of addiction to tv and the internet and the damage it was creating one lady who participated lamented about the way in which the ability of the mind was being destroyed by fast changes and repeated breaks in the name of commerce and how this was going to affect young people when they grow up in almost every walk of life from nursing and surgery to piloting aircrafts to the pursuit of science art and literature and even state craft concentration is very important in many of the things we do now with swami's grace and of course his blessings and approval 
you all know that we in Radio Sai and in Heart to Heart have scrupulously stuck to high standards. And from the enthusiastic responses we constantly get from all over the world, it is very clear that spirituality does not have to sound dull just because there are no breaks every 10 minutes and just because we do not mix artificially entertainment. Spirituality is all about preparing ourselves to go back to God. This is a very serious matter and one has to make the preparations with as much focused discipline and earnestness like the one who aspires to win the Wimbledon finals or to climb the Everest would do. At this point, maybe I should respond to a couple of questions from a listener. This listener is apparently working for what he calls a mobile-based company and seems to be involved with some software work. He does not appear to be happy with what the company is doing and he is not too sure whether he is doing the right thing by working where he is. He also seems to feel at the same time that both mobile phones and software industry are providing so many jobs and since employment is vital, how can we do without them? What are we to do? How do these issues impact the adherence to Atma Dharma? These are the problems that our listener has posed to us. I would say these are good questions. On the face of it, it would seem that there is apparently a contradiction between what the listener is doing and what the company is doing. Or rather, between what the listener wants to do and what the company is doing. And the question is, what does one do when one is caught up in a situation such as the listener has described? How should we analyze such a situation and seek a solution? By way of responding as a preamble, perhaps I could refer to an old Upanishad story where a sannyasi goes to a small village to beg for arms. Despite the tradition that when a person, especially a sannyasi, seeks arms or food in the name of God, must be given unhesitatingly what he asks for, in this case, everyone refuses. I don't remember that story in full since I read it many years ago, but one thing I do remember very well is that finally this sannyasi goes of all persons to the village butcher and he too refuses. All along the sannyasi keeps feeling he is superior in spiritual evaluation compared to those from whom he is seeking arms. But in the end he learns to his shock and astonishment that the butcher is far more evolved spiritually than him. When I first read this story many years ago, I was stunned. I said to myself, a butcher? He is better than a sannyasi? How could that ever be? Well, the answer is given by the Gita. Basically, in those days, people were confined to the strata of society into which they were born. And the vocation was essentially what the family had been engaged in generation after generation. So if this man was a butcher, it was no fault of his. That is the way destiny put him into that situation. Now the Gita clearly says, perform your duty in the situation destiny places you, but with full devotion to your parents and God. 
When it came to duty, it turned out that the butcher scored more points than the sannyasi, though the sannyasi meditated, chanted Vedas and all that. That is the critical point. Now, turning to the listener's question, as I see it, there are two issues. First is the issue of the listener working where he is. And secondly, the rather large negative impact that software and mobile technology are having on society. We must be clear about these issues. With that caveat, I would first of all say to our listener, don't worry too much about working where you are. In fact, these days almost all trades and technologies are being misused somewhere or the other. As long as you yourself are not involved in misuse directly, you do not directly carry any blame. So don't worry too much. Now, technology is very definitely not being misused in all places and all times. We must acknowledge that. In fact, technology does have its uses and keeping that in mind, one need not take a 100% dim view of technology. I have myself worked not only in the frontier areas of science, but in a limited way in frontier areas of technology, having been earlier associated with a program to develop parallel computers and to set up a silicon foundry. So, I do not suffer from technology phobia. So, my dear listener, as long as you are personally not doing anything wrong or immoral, and as long as you feel detached from your work, you need not worry too much. Actually, if you are practical, one has to work somewhere and as long as one is not in the name of company work, directly involved in any shady work, one need not worry. In fact, these days, every trade has got negative points somewhere or the other and since one has to survive, one can afford to be a bit practical. Of course, this license is not available to sannyasis, by the way. However, compassionate God has said, that if one surrenders to him, then he is even ready to forgive any mistakes we might make. So keep that in mind. Now let us come to technology itself. Here, the responsibility of those who form companies that develop and market certain technologies is different from what is expected of people like you and me who work in companies. These promoters of technology do carry a serious responsibility that they must never overlook. Let me give a simple example. These days, there is a lot of concern about the manner in which movies and other media agencies are being used in a subtle manner to promote the consumption of alcohol and cigarettes by young people. Most specifically, this is the problem that is worrying many, including our current health minister. And what's the problem? The problem is the following. In many movies, apparently as a part of the development of the story, the hero is shown lighting a cigarette or helping himself to some alcoholic drink. It is not as if the movie director is trying to achieve a realistic portrayal of the hero and as a part of the development of the story. The truth is that this kind of scene is stuck in as a part of a deal between the one who markets alcohol and cigarette as the case may be and the movie producer. The movie producer gets money from the alcohol manufacturer or cigarette manufacturer and the general idea is that the movie is used to influence young people. You know, young people try hard to imitate celluloid heroes and if these heroes drink and smoke on film, copying them 
young and impressionable moviegoers would also do the same. This way, not only would the sale of alcohol and cigarette increase, but in fact they would become the people who start smoking, the young people that is, would become lifelong addicts and thus lifelong customers of the companies that make and sell alcohol and cigarettes. But what about the immense harm being done to the young people and the equally great harm being done to society? Who cares? In fact, one must seriously worry and wonder whether society needs the cigarette industry, the alcohol industry, and the gambling industry, etc. So, in short, when it comes to setting up factories and industries, there is a great responsibility on the financiers and the company executives. I think you can think all these things through. And if you have questions, maybe you can shoot at us. Let me move on to the next quote. Quote, Dharma has no prejudice or partiality. It is imbued with truth and justice. So, man has to adhere to Dharma. He has to see that he never goes against it. It is wrong to deviate from it. The path of Dharma requires that man must give up hatred against others and cultivate mutual concord and amity. Through concord and amity, the world will grow day by day into a place of happiness. If these are well established, the world will be free from disquiet, indiscipline, disorder and injustice. Whatever the thing you are dealing with, you must first grasp its real meaning and then you have daily to cultivate it for your benefit. By this means, wisdom grows and lasting joy is earned. The two basic things are dharma and karma. The wise who are impartial and unprejudiced, who are confirmed in dharma, walk on the path of satya as instructed in the Vedas. That is the path for all people today. End of quote. This quote is very important because it contains many valuable points. Some are no doubt being repeated and that is for our benefit. But even so, let us try to absorb the advice that Swami is giving us. Swami says that dharma has no partiality or prejudice, which means those who practice dharma must regard all as alike. No partiality. I am sure you have heard Swami say, as I have, that all are alike and that we must be the same to all. That is the principle being stated here. Further, the person who wants to take adherence to dharma seriously must not hate anybody. Hatred and dharma do not go together. Swami points out how important this is. Now, if everyone took dharma seriously in this spirit, where is the scope for war and conflict, which almost invariably is the result of prejudice and hatred? You know, it's most unfortunate that at a time when conflict is so widespread, and there is even war and terrorism. Few realize how with everyone simply adhering to dharma, not only can war and conflict be avoided, but so many lives saved, so many injuries prevented, and above all, so much money can be saved that is now being wasted. And all the money saved could be usefully spent on helping those in distress and need. So you see how important and practical is the adherence to dharma. Now towards the last part of the quote that I just presented, Swami uses two words that sound similar, dharma and karma. Not only do these words sound similar, but in fact they have a close connection. Karma means action and if action is tuned to dharma, 
life becomes sanctified and when life is constantly sanctified in this manner union with god is guaranteed and you know what happens then there's a rich reward bliss remember swami telling us often that happiness is union with god well that happiness comes that bliss comes only when one sticks to dharma the subject of dharma is like an infinite ocean and there is no limit to how much one can discourse on it but you don't worry i am not going to prolong this series too much longer however there are a few important points i must bring to your notice before i sign off on this series well that's all for this week see you again next week until then all the best god bless jai sai ram